Welcome to our weekly, we mean weekly, Wednesday night cheer. Um, the Shabbos, of course, as you know, is Pachik Savi. Today was Chai El. Very, very special Yomtev. Um, the birthday of the two Meiris Hegdelim, the Balshemtev and the Altarebbe. Because dedicating the Nishmas Nachm Yaakov Ben Tzihish. He'd be good to better for his whole family. Um, Action packed. Kisavi is a very, very big parsha. Very full. And of course, as we all know, it comes with the package of the 98 curses, 98 clothes. Known as the Techacha. And the Hayyam Yem, which is the famous story of the Mitl Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe was the Balkaira in Lubavitch, in, in not Lubavitch, excuse me. The Ojna. And he would lay in every Shabbos. There's Pashki Savi where the Al-Tarebbe was not in town, not home. Somebody else lined. Now count, mind you, Kisavi comes out always around the time of Chayel, which is 12 days before Shoshana, and 10 more days to Yom Kippur, which is 22 days. The Mitla Rebbe fell ill. So sick did he get that there was a shayla, a suffolk, if he'd be able to fast on Yom Kippur. Hearing the techecha, hearing the qualis of the techecha, the Mithra Rebbe had gotten so sick, he was a child, a young child. Later they asked him, <laughs> this techecha has been laid for years, you've heard it for years laid. And his answer was a very simple one, when my father lays it, when my father reads it, we don't hear any curses. Well, <coughs> no needless to say, of course, the Kriya of the Altrebe brought out from the Techa what the Techa really means to us. Excuse me. In the actual Techa, the Hashivcha, Hashem Mitzrayim, Baniyas, they should bring you back. Aniyas, Aniyas, as Rashi says, Besvinas, Beshivya, ships, captivity. Why is the word Aniyas, which is said already previously in the Torah, in Pashva Yechi, which says, Lahula Chayf Aniyas, by Yisachar, and Rashi does not explain the word Aniyas. So why here now all of a sudden in Devarim does Rashi find the necessity to write the translation, the explanation of the word Aniyas is Sfinais. And a simple way of explaining this we need to understand why is it relevant to tell us that the Almighty would bring back the Jews to Egypt in ships, in Aniyas. Not any other form of fashion. So the truth is, we could perhaps explain that Ani is here means Tani Vani. In pain. Explain in Echa. So Rashi wants to tell us that that's not what it's talking about over here. Ani means Finais. 
In order to answer the question that we said, he adds Svinas Bishivya in captivity. And this is understood, the stress here, that the Almighty returns us, the Jewish nation, Baniyas, in ships. This is a tremendous pain for Shivya. It's much worse than going captivity by land. Because in the ship, finally the worst um, worst possible conditions. And therefore it's much worse than even traveling by land. So this is the simple way of explaining this. But in the ultimate bottom line, when we look at it and we say the Teichah itself, the Teichah itself finishes off only with good. And from this, everything will be a bracha. And therefore we need to derive the bracha in everything that's mentioned in the Teichah. Anything that comes from Hashem is good. Oftentimes, by many people, they have a hard time grasping that idea. Grasping the concept that what they're experiencing, what they're going through is good. In the beginning of the Pasha, let us begin the Pasha with the concept of good and kindness. Pasha talks about the mitzvah of Bikurim. What lesson does the mitzvah of Bikurim have to us in our days? Mitzvah Bikurim is relevant to the land, to the fruits of the land, the fruits that, that shall is blessed with. And the first fruits that come up need to be taken off, put away, as they ripen, and they are to- brought to Yerushalayim. Even today? Listen here, what does it have to do with today? And the Pasuk tells us, you're going to come to the land, which the Almighty is giving to you, Nachala, as an inheritance, and you will possess it, and you will settle in it, and you will take you'll take first fruits from the ground. And this is gratitude to Hashem for all the things, all the goodness that God has done for us. However, Interesting wording of the Pasuk, which is So Rashi tells us This teaches us that they were not obligated to do the mitzvah of Bikurim until the entire land was conquered and the entire land was divided. Very, very interesting obligation. Ultimately, it took seven years for B'nai Sel to conquer the land. It took another seven years until everybody settled. Until every family had and received their portion. Nevertheless, as long as the land was being divided and people were settled in the land, nobody was obligated to bring Bikurim until every family of B'nai Yisrael was settled, was allocated a portion, and they were settled in their homes. The people that were already settled, 
They were not obligated to bring Bikurim until everybody else was settled as well. Fact, I'm settled. I have my home. I have my fields. I have my, my whatever is growing here by me. Why should I not bring the Bikurim as soon as it's brought? Bikurim is not a regular karm. It's not a regular sacrifice. Okay. The sacrifice of the Bikurim is an expression that we say, we show our gratitude to Hashem for giving us all the goodness and kindness. <coughs> and therefore it's brought Dafka from the Shiva Minim, from the seven species that it's so famous for. It's blessed for. The standard fruits and vegetables did not warrant this unique offering. Aren't you happy? You didn't have to bring up all your first watermelons. Yes. So the same thing, therefore, the declaration that they say it, when they bring the Bikurim, they made a declaration, which we're going to go into soon, Yetzashem. It's said only when a person is very, very happy. And when can we express happiness? <coughs> Only when we are totally, totally happy. There could be no ifs, ands, and buts. There could be no side things here. So the Bikurim was therefore not possible until every family had their land. Until the apportioning was given out of the land, as the fitting was completed. Because even the people that had settled already, they did not feel entirely happy knowing that their friends, their neighbors, their cousins, their brothers were not yet settled. Because a Jew's blessings and happiness is only complete when he knows Hashem granted it to his fellow Jew as well. May all Jews know the ultimate happiness through seeing and sharing the happiness with their brethren. So they brought the Bikurim. Tells us the tale of the next possible. And they came to the Kayan which was in that day. The Amarte Lovin said to him, I declare today to Hashem your God. I have come to the land that God swore to our forefathers to give us. The Torah tells us, therefore, that as he brings this Bikurim, he brings it before the Kayan that's serving in the Besamidash, and he does a confession, he admits. The Bikurim, the one offering, the Bikurim must state, I declare today to Hashem, your God that I have come to the land, that, swore, that God swore to our forefathers to give to us. He says a very interesting word. He got the Hayoim Lashem Aleikecha, today. What is the declaration today? I didn't come today to the land. I'm living in the land for years. My ancestors have been living, my predecessors, etc., etc., have been living here for generations already. What am I talking about today? So when the person does such, the person offering the Bikurim acknowledges that residing in the holy land of Israel is unlike residing in any other land in the world. The Tate actually warns us to be careful how we live and behave and act in the land so that the land does not vomit us out, does not spew us out of the land as the nations that preceded us. Which means that we must continuously deserve residing in the holy land of Israel. And each day that you're there, must be granted by God Himself. 
So one can therefore truly say, I declare today, because today is a new day, that I have come to the land, and today as well I woke up in this land, and I stayed in this land. God did not throw me out. It's not connected to the fact that I arrived a few years ago, or hundreds of years ago that my generations have passed me, have preceded me, have been here. It's something he merited this very day. The fact that Hashem has allowed him to stay here in Egypt. He continues his confession and he says, It went down to Egypt, sojourned there with a small number of people. Seventy people, Shivim Nefesh, Yardo Avisachar Mitzrayma. With seventy people, seventy souls, our forefathers went down to Egypt. We recite this dialect in the recitation of the Haggadah, Passover Haggadah. And there it talks about Yaakov went down to Egypt against his will. He went down to Egypt forced by the divine decree. Very, very difficult to understand such a kind, such concept. Yaakov Avinu, Bechir Shabavis, as we know him, the choice, the greatest of the forefathers was devoted to God with all his being. Is it therefore possible, despite Yaakov's knowledge, that God desired that he go down to Egypt, that he was still reluctant to oblige this? And besides which, if we look in the Sukkim, we look in the dialect between God and Yaakov, the Almighty tells Yaakov, I will go down I'm going to go down with you to Mitzrayim and I will bring you back up so the promise therefore in turn meant not only that you're going to go down to Egypt temporarily but also a promise for the future that you're going to come back up and you're going to settle in the land of your fathers. So Yaakov Avinu should have been extremely eager to do such. Such a promising future. Why then was his descent to Egypt actually forced? Where does it come that this is forced? This is something that he should have looked forward to. Why did Skype freeze? Scary. Scranton, you on the air? You're frozen too. Ouch. I don't know. But the truth is, Yaakov was happy to do what he was told by Hashem. God commanded him, he was more than happy to do what the Almighty told him. If a man going down to Mitzrayim, he's ready to go. Nevertheless, the fact that he had to descend to Mitzrayim, to this decadent land, this debased environment of Mitzrayim, was a constant source of discomfort. I'm going to recall on Skype, if I can, my Skype is totally frozen. My computer died. No, it didn't die. Hold on. In spite of the fact that Hashem promised him, in spite of the fact that Hashem guaranteed him, Nevertheless, going down to such a land was hard, a hard pill to swallow for Yaakov. 
he could never come to terms with such a thing. He couldn't make peace with it. Stay in Egypt caused and posed to his family such discomfort, such unrest. Oops, I missed it. Sorry. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I did not know you here. I just saw that everything froze. I thought you were totally disconnected. Now you're back on the air. So the fact Yaakov had to go down to Mitzrayim was something that he could not relate to. He couldn't. It was a commandment. And it was tremendous results and tremendous promise thereafter. He didn't help The exposure of Ervas Aretz put his family at a spiritual risk. And he could not relate to that. He cannot connect to that. It was too much. Hey, Scranton, I wish you'd get back on the air because it's scaring me to look at myself. <laughs> Help. <coughs> I'm intimidating. Don't do that to me again. <laughs> How do we get this thing to stand right? Oh, I could do it this way, probably, no? There we go. There you go. Much better. Oh, you're much more comfortable now. Don't start turning yourself around, please. Okay. So, although Yaakov was happy to complete God's commandment, he is perpetually uncomfortable perpetually reluctant to be in an Egyptian environment. Just like our ancestor, Yaakov Avinu. We're also promised that Ot Ot Kump Mashiach and the Divine Providence will ultimately bring us the greatest of highest level of, of godliness. But at the moment, the situations, our environments, many of them are devoid of terror life. So knowing that we're on a divine mission, we must happily devote ourselves to spreading Tera, mitzvahs, even in this exile. And this is the mission that we're given to elevate our surroundings rather than, God forbid, be affected by our surroundings to a negative by getting them to influence us. Understanding and never losing sight of the fact that when you're on the outside of Teda environment, it's a Yerida, it's a descent. And generally a Jew is not comfortable in a descent. He's not comfortable being where he doesn't belong. He's not in his, in his comfort zone. So we need to create and maintain a happy balance of happiness. Happiness, the fact that we're doing what Hashem wants us and acknowledging that really we are forced to be in this unnatural habitat known as Golos. And he continues with his video. These are also a quote brought down by the Balagoda. We cried out to Hashem, God of our fathers, God heard our voice, saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. 
I'm bringing Bikurim here, man. I'm happy, I'm in a good mood. What's all this? Proclamations that are being made here. I need to make proclamations thanking Hashem for all the goodness and kindness. The fact that He brought me here to this day. What are we mentioning? We're mentioning how the days of affliction, our toil, our oppression. The Zifri tells us, again the Balagada quotes this, What's this on Yenu? Sorry, Amaleno. What's our toil? Elo Abonim. These are the ch- these are these are the sons. And he writes, Kamishkosak, it says, Kolaben Ayile Dayere Tashtihu. Kolabas Tachayun. Every son that is born you should cast into the river, and every daughter you should let stay alive. Teaching us that the words our toil allude to the suffering of Egypt, especially when it comes to regard to our children. Notably, over here, the Sifri demonstrates that there was a horrifically evil decree targeting Dafka, the Jewish children. But it still doesn't tell us how Amaleinu means Habanim. This means our, our children. The fact that the Sifri does not actually give the proof to this indicates to us that our Malayna, our toil, refers to our children, Elah Banim, is actually superfluous when mentioned in the Sifri. Because it's self-evident. The truth that raising children to grow on the proper path takes very hard work. It's not just effort. What the Torah deems Amalenu, toil, difficult labor. So obviously, what is the most difficult labor a person has is raising their children. Keeping them in the proper yeshivas. Getting them to behave in yeshiva. Not to get kicked out of yeshiva. Not to talk chutzpahdik. Not to misbehave. And the same is true when it comes to educating and nurturing students. The tailor tells us, Your children, Elu Abonim, Hamalamin is Ben who teaches a child as if he gave birth to him. You have not fulfilled your basic, obvious duties as an educator until you have not invested yourself to the point of Avalinu of toil. Toil. This past week we had a horrific experience in the family. Yitabas Leib was Nifter. 59 years old. She was visiting her mother-in-law in, in a rehab. And her mother, she wanted to make sure her mother-in-law was eating. She was feeding her soup. As she was feeding her soup, she had an aneurysm and died. She was actually declared brain dead immediately, but only passed away a few days later. She held out enough time for the following Monday. Her brother, Zang made a wedding. Wow. Das Teda told the family, told the siblings, apparently the mother, the father passed away only recently, I Pesach, to Turn off their phones. Do not have your phone on during the wedding. After the wedding, turn it on. We'll see what she's holding. And lo and behold, by the time they turned on their phones after the wedding, she was gone. Oh, she was very into the concept of tznius. 
And today's day and age, girls, even the girls are at Tznias, there's different stages. She was of the opinion that girls had to wear tights on their legs. She didn't like the sock story. Even if the skirt covered. Uh-huh. On Wednesday, she passed away on Monday night. On Wednesday, during the Shiva, her granddaughter, 12 years old, wanted to make some kugel for the people in the Shiva house. She called her mother, got the recipe, ingredients, whatever was needed. I don't know why you're on hold. <sighs> Skype is a treat tonight. Let's see if I can get it back over here. Oh, you're off. Okay. And she got the recipe and she started making the kugels. Unfortunately, she had a pan of oil. I don't know what kugel she was making. She had a pan of oil and the oil set on fire. So instead of smothering the fire, throwing a towel over it to smother it, she grabbed the pan and started to run out of the house with it. Unfortunately for this little girl, the flaming oil splashed on her arm and she suffered third degree burns. When they were in the hospital, oh, excuse me, I, I left that one very integral point. The family members during the Shiva of, of Yitta, Yitti, all the girls decided that this week we're going to wear tights in honor of Yitti. All the girls in the whole family across the board. And this 12-year-old is one of those girls. When they got to the hospital, they were treating the third-degree burn. They looked down and saw her skirt was also totally burnt. But her leg was unharmed because she was wearing tights. And I promised my cousin Yossi that I would repeat this story in Yita's memory. And may she be a good to better for the whole family. And Vila Mabos Netzach. Very, very strong lesson when we undertake a mitzvah in schus of something, or ilanishmas somebody. We don't know how powerful and how direct this mitzvah can be to downright protect us who knows what kind of harm's way. Continuing with the, again, this vidui, V'Hashem Mircha Yeim Yeslei, L'Am Segula Kashadibralach, very interesting medrash here. God set you apart this day to be His treasured people, just as He spoke concerning you. Hmm. Jewish people are Amsegula. Segula are treasured people. Rashi explains what does Segula mean? Cherished treasure. Costly vessels, precious stones that the kings stow away. Likewise, you'll be treasured by me more than any other, all the other nations. You know, I told the story before. A Galach, a priest, was very active in a certain town of ignoramuses, trying to get them to convert to Christianity. Was Tutman, what's the process? They take the holy water and they spray the person and say, You are a Catholic. There was one particular of that fought tooth and nail against these conversions. And the Gadach took 
strong resentment to this. Why do you fight me so? You see how much happier the people are. I'm taking away from their oppression, I'm taking away from their poverty, they're getting money from me, they're getting everything they need. I said the Rav. The Rabbi says, I'm a only a Jewish man and Jewish mother can krech like that. He says, listen here, Father. The Tera tells us we are compared to Afar Ha'oretz. The dust on the ground. Anechi Afar Ve'efer, says Avraham Avinu. I'm but ashes. No, if the Jews are ashes or dust, and you sprinkle water on them, they're going to become mud. So I don't want them to be mud, so I fight that you should not sprinkle them with the water. Similarly here, a treasure, really, a treasure that the king stows away, come on, that's called Amsagula? If you want to show off, you want to have a good, you, want, you have a big piece of jewelry, and you want to show off the piece of jewelry, you walk around with it on your head, on your chest, on your back, whatever it is. People should notice, look at the jewelry that I have. And that's a pride. And you want to compare me to that stone that the person's walking around with proudly? Chavot. Compare me to a jewel that the person puts in his box and buries under the ground. Do me a favor. That's called love? That's called precious? But no. This is exactly what we're talking about. The fact that it's stowed away tells us it's not intended for use. These vessels, these costly vessels and precious stones and all these commodities are not used for funding anything, funding battles, funding nothing. These are kept, these are the precious things that are his. They don't go in his crown, they don't go in his palace walls, they're nothing. They're collected and saved for no purpose other than the fact that they exist. And because they exist, the king says, Ah, my treasure. This is what gives him the light. The mere fact that he owns them, this is what makes him happy. This is what makes him king. This is what makes, it contributes to his personal sense of kingship. So this is the significance of God settling, of setting apart, I'm sorry, the Jewish nation, Am Segula. Their preciousness is even more than anything else in existence in the world. Through the observance of God's Tehra Mitzvahs, the Jewish people should reveal God's reign throughout the world. And therefore becomes his Molucha. The essential identity of a Jew is not the purpose that he serves, but rather the delight that he brings to God Almighty just by existing. Just like the hidden treasure gives pleasure to the king without him looking at it even, without him seeing it. This is therefore, by the fact that the person does what God commands him, this brings this tremendous, tremendous pleasure to God. Um, Chayel is 12 days before Rosh Hashanah. Uh-oh. Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. Us Ashkenazim, the cheaters, the Sephardim would call us, will start Mirza Hashem Slichus this Matzah Shabbos. Yes, I said, our jealous brethren, the Sfardim, Achina Sfardim, 
They've been doing it since Shishchidosh for 18 days already. We begin Slichas after Chatzay Salayla this month of Shabbos, Mr. Shem. Matzay Menucha. Usually done at one o'clock. Slichas needs to be said minimum of four days, and therefore, if Rosh Hashanah comes out as it comes this year, Monday, Tuesday. If you would only start the Shabbat Shabbos before, there'll only be one day of slichas. So therefore, it needs to have four days minimum to start the week before, and we go through the full book of slichas. Wow. Amazing. We get your money's worth. If you didn't buy a slichas yet, this year is the year to buy it. You get your money's worth and use the whole book. And Rosh Hashanah included, and of course, some Gedalia. Slichas night is very eerie. Beginning Slichas. Before we go to that, let's go back to Chayel. Twelve days before Rosh Hashanah gives us an opportunity to do tshuva for every month of the year. Each day represents another month. Chayel represented Rosh Tishrei. Yutes El represents Cheshven. And each day will follow suit. And we need to sit down and reflect and see what Shuvah needs to be done. What did we do wrong, perhaps, during that month the Tavshin I involve? And for that, we ultimately sit and do Tshuva. No. Nissan is six weeks, six, sixth month. So if today, Wednesday, was Chayel, was, was Tishrei, Yutes is Cheshven, Chaf is Kislev, Chaf Aleph is Tevis, Chaf Beis is Shvat, Chaf Gimel will be two others to the Tshuva for, that's a lot of work, and continues. A very, very pertinent way of leading into the new year by doing Cheshben Hanefesh of an entire month. What did I do last year, Tishrei? What did I do last year, Cheshben? What do I need to fix? What do I need to rectify? What do I need to repair? Excuse me. Chayel is the birth of the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe. The Baal Shem Tov's parents, Rebbe Leyezer, had a very open home. And everybody knew him throughout the countryside. A typical Shabbos, 30 guests sat around the table. (sighs) And they weren't getting younger. And it didn't look like they were ever going to have any children. They live in a small town called Akup, in Poland. Although Rabbi Lezer made an extremely good living... Very little of it stayed in the house. Most of it gave tzedakah and spent on achnaz sarachim. And the guest was the house was always open to guests. One Shabbos afternoon, as they were just finishing their meal, they knocked on the door. Rebbe himself rushed to the door to open it. And he saw a traveler, knapsack and all, 
filthy, dusty clothes. Looks like he came from a long journey. He was tired, he was hot. It wasn't usual that a person arrived to town in the middle of Shabbos. But still, Abelazer didn't ask him a word. He led him inside. He brought him to the table. Have you made Kiddush yet? No, I haven't eaten. And immediately he gave him food. He gave him Kiddush. He made him food. He himself served him. The other guests, a little more dignified guests, were looking at this and they started to berate him. What are you doing? He came from a distant village. He was Machal Shabbos Fahesia. How do you give him such covet? Avraham Avinu took in guests, and if they didn't want to bench, they didn't want to bless God, he threw them out. He made a charge, he charged them exorbitant fees. Here's a person that was Machal Shabbos Fahesia. Openly desecrated the holy Shabbos, and yet you're taking him in like this and treating him this way. Abelazar was horrifically, horrifically hurt by the attack of his guests, and he went into a bush in another room to cry. Soon, very quickly, he returned to the table. He was worried that they would start attacking the newcomer. And he kept giving him more and more attention, and he kept treating him better and better far better than anyone else in the room. If a guest came to relive of a Shabbos, the tradition was that he stayed over Shabbos and Sunday. And then, on Sunday he would send them off with a generous gift of money, food. And of course, this week was no different. All the guests, one at a time, he saw them out. And the last one that was left was this stranger that arrived on Shabbos. And let's accompany him onto the road, leading out of the town. And they walked silently, they weren't talking. The man finally turns to Beleza and he says to him, Beleza, I'll tell you the truth. I'm Elio Anovi. And Hashem sent me a mission to test you. Needless to say, you passed with flying colors. Yachnot Serkim is just unsurpassable. So I'm going to bench you in this chus. I will bless you. You'll have, you and your wife will bless with the son. Then he said to him, I'm going to teach you something in Teda, which you have to teach your son when he's two and a half years old. It's known that Rebbe died when the Vashem was very, very, very young. So it must have been, and he told him, he taught him this lesson right before he died, so it must have been when the Vashem was it before his option? It was only two and a half. Do you remember this? Huh? Do you remember this? Do what? He remembered it? Yeah. Smart kid. The words are Tidim and Parabisim and Do not have any fear. Hashem is everywhere. And with these words, they all vanished. Needless to say, it was tremendous Simcha, the Bris, and they called him. They called him Yisrael. In his beginning years, the Bashamta refused to reveal himself. He lived on his own. He didn't want anyone to know he was a Talmud Chacham, tzaddik. But then one day he receives a letter from Adam Bashamta. Reb Adam Balshem, 
In the letter, Abodim Hashem tells him, the source of his holy neshama, where Hashem to the soul actually came from. And he told him the following, I heard from our holy master and teacher, Achia Shalini, who was a prophet in the first Beis Hamidash. I heard these exact words. In the year Shin Lamed Gimel, Shalek, in the city of Tzvas, may it be rebuilt speedily in our days, was a simple Jew. He knew how to daven, but not much more. Very honest, very edel, very fine, very modest. One night he was saying, Tikkun Chatzais, this is called the simple Jew. Uh-huh. And there was a knocking at the front door. He asked, who's there? And the person answered, Elio Anovi. Shocked, he was amazed. He opened the door. And Elio Anovi entered the house, it became so light in the house, it woke up the children. And the excitement of the light set the children dancing. The Jew asked his honest visitor, sit down please. Eliyahu sat down and he told him, I came to tell you when Mashiach is going to come. I'll tell you this great secret, but on one condition. I want you to tell me what you did on the day of your Bar Mitzvah. Aye, he says, the man, he says, krechts. In the early Jews and Herakrechts. That precious deed, he said, whatever it was, made a tremendous impact in heaven. Sorry, this tells him, Elio. So much so that it merited that I come to talk to you and hear about it. And if you tell me about it, I will tell you when Mashiach is going to come, and I'll teach you very deep secrets of the Tera. And the Jew answered simply, whatever I did, I did. And I did it only for the Shem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven. I can't reveal it to anybody. Oi. I know you're offering me a tremendous thing. It's not going to happen. person, the Jew, does a good action. He has to hide it from the public. All things that do, Jews do are only for the schus, of the good of Hashem, to honor Hashem. And that's what my father taught me, and that's how I live. Excuse me, as soon as, as the same way he came, same way he left, the Navi disappeared. He came back up and it turned into a war. In heaven, there was there was pressure at Meshugayim The Jew refused the Yehovah Navi all of Hashem's Teda. He refused to hear Mashiach's arrival. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that every deed he did, he did the Shem Shemayim. So, Bezna Shemayla heard this out, Bezna Shemayla said unanimously, so be it, Elio, go back, teach him anyway. So Elio came back to him, in Tzvas, and he taught the Jew the secrets of the Holy Torah. Making the simple Jew the most knowledgeable person in the generation. But of course, nobody knew that Eliyahu Navi would come at night. A pure tzaddik. In his own tzaddik nister. He grew old. And the man passed on to the next world. And he got a beautiful place in Gan Eden. Front row seat. Together with the others.
the Malachim came screaming. They said, I'm sorry, this makes no sense. The man deserves a greater reward than he got. Because he hid his greatness his entire life. Why? So all his actions should be the Shem Shemayim. It's not fair that heaven should receive a greater reward and recognition for his devotion. Is it not fair? Is that the way it should be going? So Bezdin Shemayla convened and he decided since the world did not benefit from this man because he remained a hidden tzaddik all the years he's gone back down. And this time Hashem will force him to reveal himself. And it will hasten the coming of Mashiach. And this Neshama came down once again into this world. Hashem accepted no excuse this time. He forced the Neshama to reveal its greatness. Said Adam Balshem, now I'm informing you in the name of your holy master and teacher, Achia Shalini, that your holy Neshama, your return to this world, is in order to purify and enrich the world with the pure and holy spirit. May this new light shine in everyone's hearts, glorifying Hashem's name and quickening the coming of the Gula Amitaz Hashlemet. And the Bashem to have learned of his unique soul and the reason for his being on earth, and his mission was to blaze a new path in Avedis Hashem, transforming the Jewish world with light of Chassidus and preparing us for the coming of Mashiach. And that's why he says to Mashiach, Kishiyafutu, Mayanasecha Chutza. And Mashiach tells him, That's when I will come. The birth of the Alter Rebbe was almost similar to that. The parents of the Alter Rebbe, Baruch, worked, very, worked for Rabbi Avram, who loved him like a son. And ultimately, he wanted him to marry his daughter Rivka. And then a year later, Baruch Rivka came to the Alter Rebbe, to the Vashemta, I'm sorry from the Yajna and they asked for a bracha for a child and the Vashemta gave the bracha on this day, next year you'll have a son, Kachava this fact that she became pregnant, he came back and the Vashemta benched him again with what has to be done, not when did, he, when did she become pregnant, you test Kislev and the Vashemta was very, very, very involved with every shrit and trit, every drichus regal that had gone here, but he wanted very much the child should be brought up quietly, not in public, and if someone even asked him, was the Rebbe's bracha mekuyim, he should just say, I have faith it will be, and the Baal Shem Tov was extremely, extremely happy, that Rosh Hashanah, he was very, very happy, it was not as intense, he always was, Simcha was tremendous, On the day that he was born in Alter Rebbe, Chayel Tafkuf Hay, 1745, like the Baal said they would, and the following Wednesday was his bris. The Baal didn't say Tachtin that day, because this new Neshama, his new soul came into this world. And so, the tremendous connection, and only even by the Absharnish, and the Vashemtiv actually cut the Alter Rebbe's hair. It's the only time he saw the Vashemtiv. And may we merit in the Schus of Chayel that we go to have a Ksivach Simateva, Shanateva Mesukah, as we begin Slichas, Amatzah Shabbos Kedish, Mitzayim Nucha. And we dance into Slichas, and from Slichas we dance out of the exile into Yerushalayim Yerakedish in a holy and happy way. Shabbat Shalom. Oh.